sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159. That is the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network as well, including sportsgrid.com slash watch. Find your favorite destination to consume everything you need all across the grid. I am Ben Stevens. Thank you for joining us here live on this Wednesday morning. A ton to get to all around the association on this Wednesday. Three, game three, or game twos yesterday, excuse me, on a Tuesday night for a triple header of playoff basketball action. We'll recap it all, what it means for the rest of these opening round series and the rest of the postseason in the association. Four more game number ones on night number two of the Stanley Cup playoffs as well. And the underdogs strike upsets virtually everywhere on the ice a ton to get to here over these next two hours we bring you up until 11 a.m eastern time live right here on the grid in the overnight hours early on this wednesday morning some significant news in the nba as it pertains to the series between the golden state warriors and the sacramento kings the nba league office announcing overnight that the Warriors, Draymond Green, has been suspended for game number three. Following his altercation with DeMontis Sabonis in game number two late in the fourth quarter on Monday night where he stomped on Sabonis's chest after DeMontis Sabonis grabbed his foot. Draymond Green was ejected after a flagrant two. He has now been suspended, according to the NBA League office, for game number three. Handing down that punishment late in the overnight hours early, perhaps, on this Wednesday morning. The league stating, in part, that, Draymond's Green, that Draymond Green's suspension was due to his history of unsportsmanlike Acts. Here was Draymond Green on Monday night following Golden State's loss in game number two and his ejection explaining his side of that story. My leg got grabbed second time in two nights. Referees just watch it. I got to land my foot somewhere. And I'm not the most flexible person, so it's not stretching that far. So you didn't really see where you were stepping? You just kind of... I, I can only step so far and pulling my leg away, so... A decisive game number three back in San Francisco tomorrow night between Golden State and the Kings. Of course, the Kings hold a 2-0 series lead after taking both games in Sacktown on Saturday and on Monday. Sacramento is a minus 178 favorite outright to win this series. However, Golden State still a better price in the Western Conference, plus 550 for the Dubs, 7-1 to for Sacramento. The Kings have that fifth best number to win the Western Conference crown at this point. There you see Phoenix back to being a solo favorite to win the Western Conference Championship, plus 220 for the Suns after they evened up their opening round series against the Clippers last night at home in the Valley in the desert in Phoenix. 123-109, the final score last night in Phoenix as the Suns cover as an eight 
point favorite. Tied at the break, 59-all. Phoenix stormed out to a big lead in the third quarter and sealed the deal in the fourth for that 14-point victory. A huge win for the Phoenix Suns to even up this series. Now 9-1 straight up with Kevin Durant in the rotation. They are 7-3 against the spread, booked as a favorite in all 10 games with KD in the lineup, dating back to the regular season, of course, as well. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The opening hour of a Wednesday, live right here on the morning after. Sirius XM, Channel 159. All of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well. I am Ben Stevens. Phoenix evens up its series against the LA Clippers 123 109 last night in the Valley covering as an eight point favorite a big win for the Phoenix Suns now the solo favorites once again to win the Western Conference Championship two games in the Eastern Conference postseason last night and we're even at one game apiece in the opening round series between Cleveland and New York as well the Cavaliers tying this series up at one game all with a 17 point win last night at home in the land 107 90 the second consecutive game in this series that scoring on the off offensive end has been at a premium 198 combined points in game number one 197 combined points in game number two a total of 214 staying under the New York Knicks still a winning record as an underdog straight up this year 22 and 21 but Cleveland does cover as a six-point home favorite in game number two last night Donovan Mitchell scored 38 points in game number one, he also had eight dimes. That facilitating role is where Spida found himself last night. Only 17 points for Cleveland, but he did have 13 assists. And he was orchestrating that offense where Darius Garland took advantage. Garland, 32 points in the big victory over New York yesterday. Game three, back at Madison Square Garden on Friday night. Cleveland was the favorite entering the series outright, a minus 205 number. After the game one upset on the road in the land, entering game two last night, the Knickerbocker is a minus 168 favorite price, but this is how playoff series go each and every game on a daily basis. Cleveland heads to New York as a minus 134 series favorite. We'll break down what happened in Boston last night as well, but here's the gist of the story. The Celtics are up 2-0. They have cruised to double-digit victories over the Atlanta Hawks. We'll continue to react all around the association this NBA postseason up next on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after live right here on this Wednesday on Sports Grid. The hardest working man at the Spiz Grizz, the hardest working man in showbiz. Jerry joins myself, Ben Stevens, live right here on this Wednesday on TMA. We go around the association first. Jerry's reaction of what we have seen so far in playoff basketball. And then in our next segment together, your daily recap of everything that happened on the diamond in Major League Baseball. Joe, as always, we appreciate your time here on this Wednesday on the morning after. 
Leisure is uh, is mine, Ben, as uh, as usual. Love this time of year, though, with uh, baseball, a lot of day games. We got NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. Mm. Oh, don't forget about that uh, that draft uh, coming up. And I I know that because I have the app downloaded. I know that's yes, coming. you do. The Sports mm -hmm. Grid app, where all the data sets you could possibly need to help you handicap what is a very difficult thing to do, the 2023 NFL Draft, Ooh. is available at the Apple App Store, where you get your favorite apps. All right, Joe, let's go to the NBA. And we'll start in the Eastern Conference with the Boston Celtics. We don't need to spend mm. all that much time, really, Joe, on this opening round series between the Seas and the Hawks because it's been a breeze for Boston in their first two games inside TD Garden there in Boston, Massachusetts. Last night, another double-digit victory for the Celtics. They cover as a double-digit favorite, a 10-point favorite at home, 119-106. Joe, they have covered in both games as heavy favorites against the Hawks, a 13-point win last night. Joe, how many more games do we have here between Boston and Atlanta in this opening round? Oh, good news, Atlanta fans. It'll be over in two more games. Don't you worry about it. Um, yeah, no, there. It, listen, it's just uh, it's matchups, right? Uh, styles make fights, and right now the Hawks just—they're uh, a mess. Uh, Boston is not uh, the team that uh, they really wanted to face here in this opening round, and we're starting to see the Celtics do it like we watched them do it last year, right, Ben? They come out, they boat race you early, uh, and then they uh, you're, you're so far down the Hawks in the second half that by the time they yeah. try to get back into the game, uh, the Celtics have, uh, have already uh, finished it. And, that, you know, the Hawks think something's going to change when they go home. I doubt it. Uh, the recipe is there. The Celtics know it. I don't anticipate anything else other than what we've seen here. Celtics first half, Celtics full game. Uh, this is not yeah. a matchup the Hawks wanted or can win. Boston led by 30 at the break in the opening game of this series. They led by 12 last night. They overall win by 13. Mm -hmm. Jason Tatum, a double-double in each of these first two games. 29 Oof. points, 10 boards last night to pace the Boston Celtics. And as you saw there, the most likely outcome now for this series is a Celtics sweep in four games. It's a plus 110 number. Boston a five-point favorite for game number three on Friday night in the a TL. Western Conference last night were all square, Joe, in this opening round series between the Clippers and the Suns. Phoenix winning by 14 points at home, 123-109. The Suns cover as an eight-point favorite. And, Joe, when you look at Phoenix, when you add Kevin Durant into the lineup, they are now 9-1 straight up, 7-3 against the spread. There's not a ton of depth for Monty Williams' team, but when you see all five starters last night score at least... 14 points. Devin Booker goes off for 38. Kevin Durant an easy 25. Joe, that's probably the recipe for success for Phoenix the rest of this postseason. Yeah, well, but it didn't come easy, I, and that's the problem. The final score, if you woke up this morning, was like, oh, 123-109. Yeah, it was tied at the half. Um, the third yep. quarter was a back and forth, and if it wasn't for Booker taking over in the fourth, um, this is this could be a 2-0 series. I think of all the series, Ben, this was the one that was the most mispriced. 
I thought this was going six, seven games regardless. The idea of fading Kawhi Leonard, pricing a Phoenix team as if they were going to win this in five games was absurd. All the values with the Clippers. And by the way, you get Westbrook goes three of 16 in the first game. They win. He goes nine of 16 last night and they lose. So go figure out the whole Russell Westbrook effect. I can't, but it's going to be a good series. 11 boards, eight dimes in game number one, only five of each last night. Maybe they don't need as much of an offensive output as everything else because Kawhi Leonard, Joe, in game number one, scored 38 points. Another 30-piece last night for Kawhi, 31 points, eight boards, and seven dimes, albeit in that losing effort. Joe, you're right. It was tied at 59 all at the break. It was not smooth sailing for Phoenix, mm -mm. but now the Suns have that momentum. Game number three in Los Angeles. Phoenix opens as a short favorite, laying two and a half points. They're a minus 310 favorite now once again to win this series outright. Joe, they entered last night's game number two, a co-favorite in the Western Conference alongside the Denver Nuggets. Now Phoenix, after that game two victory, evening their opening round series at one game all against LA, a solo favorite again at plus 220. Joe, how do you evaluate the Western Conference at this point of the NBA playoffs? Uh, it, it competitive, uh, to say the least, right? I, I think uh, there's a few games, uh, a game tonight, in fact, that uh, might even a series up here. Um, I think the Lakers have shown now that maybe uh, we should start taking them a little bit seriously. We said the mispriced uh, series here with, uh, with Phoenix and the Clippers. We knew the West was going to be way more competitive, Ben, than the East, didn't we? And what yep. we're seeing is blowout series with Philadelphia and Brooklyn, Atlanta and Boston in the East. And boy, oh boy, are we seeing a bunch of, I think, a lot of six and seven game series in the opening round in the West, which is great for value on the future board. It certainly is. Denver, game number two tonight for them at home against the Timberwolves, the second best price at plus 280. Now back to the Eastern Conference. And Joe, you know this as well as anybody. When you look at the outright odds for a playoff series, so much can change on a daily basis. Entering <laughs> game number one, Cleveland greater than a $2 favorite to win outright against the New York Knicks in the series overall. The Knicks pull off the upset on Saturday in game one in land entering. Last night, it's the Knickerbockers as a series favorite. Cleveland evens up the series on their home floor last night. We will head to New York City in Madison Square Garden on Friday, Joe, with the Cavaliers, a series favorite, a minus 134 number. Joe, where do you think momentum is in this series entering game number three inside MSG? Oh, well, it's definitely with the Knicks I, because they did exactly what they needed to do. Win one on the road and swing home court and get it back to the Garden, right? And that's exactly what the Knicks did. So uh, the good news, if you're a Cavs fan, is they figured some things out, didn't they, Ben? They, they needed another option to score. Garland handled that last night. They didn't need 40 from Donovan Mitchell, right? We Cleveland needs more than one guy, and they got him and found him last night. Can they sustain that is going to be interesting. I think game three in a lot of these series, the single most important game is coming up here uh, for the Knicks uh, and for a few other teams like the Clippers also. Big game three on their home courts coming up. 
The final three game number twos tonight in the NBA playoffs where, Joe, the storyline is going to be health. In Milwaukee, will Giannis Antetokounmpo play for the Bucs? In Memphis, what is the status of John Morant for game two against the Lakers? Will it start? with Milwaukee, Joe, because yesterday it seemed that Giannis might be out there for the Bucks. The line grows to nine points. He's officially listed as doubtful for tonight's game against the Heat. The line is six and a half. So what does that say to you, Joe, about Giannis Antetokounmpo's status for game number two against Miami? I can't th think of anything I trust less than an NBA injury report, Ben. So until I see him in street clothes, <laughs> And he's not on the court. I ain't buying it at all. Nope. Not not happening. Joe, you're following what the Bucks coach Mike Budenholzer said as well. Despite being listed at doubtful and not practicing yesterday, Bud said, well, we'll see how he feels tomorrow. I think he's going to play. We have no idea. We go to the Major League Baseball Diamond up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Diamond Dash live right here on this Wednesday on the morning after on Sports Grid. I am Ben Stevens. Joe Ranieri is here for a second straight segment as well. And we go all around Major League Baseball on this Wednesday. Joe, looking back on a jam-packed slate on a Tuesday. We start with the 100-year anniversary, perhaps, of Yankee Stadium, despite the fact that new Yankee Stadium is where the Bronx Bombers play now, and it opened in 2000. And nine. Regardless, the Angels will spoil whatever ceremony there were as the Halos go on the road to New York up in the Bronx and they win 5 2. Shohei Otani Joe gets it started very early. Top half of the first inning, an absolute laser, 391 feet, a two run homer against the Yanks. The Angels add on a few more. They hold on for a 5 2 victory joe the angels are one game above 500 a nine and eight record the yankees three games above 500 10 and seven at this point relative to expectation joe ranieri whose start do you like more the halos or the pinstripes well you know the the i would say the the halos are, are a little more impressive just given the fact that we you know we don't trout's still playing so that's a good sign yep. giancarlo stanton mm -hmm. isn't and that's par for the course here, Ben. So uh, those two things, uh, you know, the Yankees, not surprising that Donaldson's not here, Stanton's not here, and, and they're not getting Donaldson back like they thought they might this week. So um, injuries, a little worrisome here with the Yankees, the inability to hit this early, also a concern. But the Angels, um, hey, they got a starting pitcher last night, Ben, that walked six dudes in three innings in the Yankees. Couldn't capitalize on them. So right. pretty good stuff here by the Angels. And I got to tell you, in five months from now, it is going to be fantastic watching Otani and pinstripes. I can't wait for it. It's going to be outstanding. <laughs> Very well done. A little sly comment in there mm -hmm. to finish off that reaction. Because <laughs> yesterday, it was Otani against the pinstripes again with that two-run bomb. Joe, he's batting 300 this year. He has been sensational on the bump as well. Mike Trout, also really good. A 293 average. Two for four yesterday with a double. Otani and Trout 
have the two shortest prices at this moment to win the AL MVP, plus 145 for Shohei, plus 650 for Mike Trout in front of the reigning American League MVP, that being Aaron Judge, at 10 to 1. Joe, when you look at Shohei Otani's number, he was plus 220, I believe it was, entering this season. He has already grown shorter in 17 games of this Major League Baseball season. When do you think, Joe, as you forecast this out, we will see Shohei Otani flip to a minus money odds-on favorite to win the American League MVP? Oh, I think uh, right around the June time frame. Give us one more month, all goes well, and and the money will start, you know, pouring in. Uh, It'll be interesting, though, because the conversation, if Trout remains, right, healthy and in that lineup and they continue to win games, Ben, you you know, then we've got to start having the conversation, are they hurting each other in the marketplace, right? Because maybe they're siphoning votes from you know, each other on the same team here. And Trout was a was a big favorite for many, many years in the MVP market. Uh, and then Otani comes along, and now, well, now he's going to be the favorite. But if they keep winning and staying healthy, it, it's hard, Ben, because both of them are going to yeah. – they're going to take away votes from one another. So it, it's, a, it's a tough market to get a handle on. What might that mean for Major League Baseball if finally, this year, of all years, Shohei Otani and Mike Trout stay healthy at the same time and maybe, just maybe, the Angels get into the postseason for the first time in nearly a decade. We'll wait and see. Another American League East, American League West matchup yesterday Mm. in Houston between the Astros and the Blue Jays. Joe, it was a pick as it closed. Minus 108 on the money line for Toronto. Minus 108 on the money line for Houston. The Strohs trying to get back to 500. They do not. The Blue Jays score the first four runs of the game. They hold on for a road victory in H-Town 4-2. Joe, what was your main takeaway from yesterday's game between the Blue Jays and the Strohs? Yeah, um, listen, it's uh, Toronto's been a little confusing. It's not been a great start for Houston, obviously, but... Uh, when you look at the, these two teams right now, 11 and 7 for Toronto, 8 and 10 for Houston, I'm so much less worried about Houston than I am Toronto because I, I the inconsistency with Toronto is the one thing that has remained from last year to this year with this lineup. Although it was nice seeing uh, you know Guerrero and Chapman finally uh, got off the Schneid there last night and were able to hit a couple of uh, home runs that gave them the lead. But again, they gave them the lead and then they had to hold on as Houston ended up scoring a couple late. So I'm yeah. less worried about Houston at this point. I'm still. I'm still hesitant to back Toronto in any way because there's nothing consistent about this team yet that I like to get behind. So, Joe, that leads us into the American League discussion because the Astros, despite being two games below 500, are still the reigning World Series champions and still the favorites to win the AL pennant. Plus 390, but only 20 cents ahead of both the Yankees and the Rays. The Rays blow out the Reds yesterday. 10 to nothing and there's toronto joe a plus 650 number that means prices two through four are all teams from the same division that american (laughs) league east so joe where do you put the tiers right now if you had to decipher it that way in the american league yeah no it's right around where it is right i think the astros yankees and rays is tier one right then we can start going down from there i would i think maybe on that chart there maybe seattle is 
the more valued uh, team in that second tier at 12 to 1 now. I think I value Seattle uh, a little bit more than I do the Twins or the Blue Jays uh, right now. And uh, also, I mean, let's face it here the Rangers, Ben, who's playing the best right now of all those teams on that list right now? Have you watched what the. Now, that's provided we don't lose to Grom because the wind blows, but um, the Rangers have some value here. Uh, ben, call me crazy. Uh, the team can hit, they're getting quality pitching uh they're playing some yep. defense um the rangers are are sneaky right now i would almost maybe elevate them into that next tier under the yankees uh the rays of course in houston joe you line up against the teams that you play each and every day and you try to win the game that's what texas did yesterday against the kansas city royals who are the second worst team in major league baseball from that record perspective so far this season 12 to 2 the victory for Texas in KC. The Rangers have the second best record currently in the American League. They're the only team in a jam-packed American League West that is two games above 500 or better. Now to the National League. A contender clash yesterday in Los Angeles. Clayton Kershaw facing off for <laughs> LA against Mr. April. Tyler McGill, who entered, or yesterday, I believe it actually was David Peterson. I think Tyler McGill on the bump today. Regardless, L.A. gets a shutout. 5-0 yesterday inside the ravine. A big win for the Dodgers, Joe, who are battling to get back to 500 as well. How do you evaluate an early season series like this one between the Mets and the Dodgers that might tell a tale for the rest of this season? Yeah, and I think both teams have had some ups and downs and uh, more ups for the Mets at this particular point. But I think uh, what Kershaw did against a darn good Mets lineup last night was pretty impressive. Uh, a little bit of a shaky start last time out for Kershaw, but you know what? Uh, first, the first batter gets up last night, Ben. Hayward falls all over himself out in right field. It's a three-base error, and then Kershaw says, we're not having this, and then proceeds to strike out the rest of the inning. So, um, great start for the Dodgers, and I do think uh, Mookie Betts is uh, going to play shortstop now, uh, which is a great – I don't know what the hell that's all about, but yes, uh, he's planning on coming back and playing the infield, uh, which should be interesting. Uh, two teams that I'm worried very little about I think they will be there in another two months when we have these conversations here Ben and that's really the question Joe because the Dodgers right now an even 509 and nine the Padres have lost three straight games they're three games below 500 at eight and 11 it snapped a five game win streak for the New York Mets and the Atlanta Braves keep winning baseball games the best record by far right now in the National League. So, Joe, as you look at the NL pennant odds, you mentioned those two teams, the Mets and the Dodgers, who you expect to be there all the way. Those four teams that sit right now with the four best prices to win the National League, do you think they'll all be there? The Braves, Dodgers, Padres, and Mets, when we have this conversation maybe in late August? Oh, I, you know, listen, I mean, the Padres, despite their floors, they're getting needles back. I mean, Tatis back. Uh, tomorrow, so they should be able to uh, to hit uh, the ball and maybe score a few runs because they absolutely are putrid. You've got, you know, you've got Soto complaining about the pitch clock. I don't have any time to breathe in between swings, and Machado's getting all testy, and uh, they got some things to figure out. You know, maybe sometimes, Ben, we've seen it. You can't buy a championship team. The Padres may be the one team of that list that will not 
be there when we have this conversation mm. in two months. I think that's a very good perspective to play out because right now, Joe, there's only one team with a winning record in the National League West, a division we expected to be competitive. It's the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're 11-7. and seven. Yep. They've won three straight games. The Brewers also winners of three straight, as have the Cubs. Keep an eye on a couple of those upstart teams in the National League Central. Joe Ranieri, please try to get a nap this afternoon. We'll see you maybe later tonight or at least tomorrow on In Game Live All Access. The hardest working man at the Spiz Grizz. Joe, thank you as always. Ben, cash them tickets, my man. Let's roll. Same to you. We know we're going hard each and every day. We're back on the morning after. Up next, live right here on Sports. <laughs> SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Today is Wednesday, April 19th. 2023 we are now just eight days away from thursday april 27th 2023 aka night number one round number one the start of the 2023 nfl draft we break that down live right here on the morning after on sports grid i am ben stevens very pleased to welcome on right now a man during college football season known as the mouth in the south he knows how to evaluate college talent and what that might mean for the national football league he is mark zeno joining us here zeno i would be remiss if i did not mention that our production staff behind the scenes joe frizo john shames make sure that i need to include the zin is or the pick is zin there it is that was the headline that we had for you here get it the pick is in the pick is in I, mark zeno there you go i love yeah. it well it's great to be here with you guys and uh this is uh, kind of the mouth in the south specialty here, you know, especially when you got an SEC quarterback going right at the very top of the draft. May as well lock it in right now, Benny. And that seems to be the case. The 2021 Heisman winner out of Alabama, Bryce Young. Right now, Mark Zeno, a minus 1,200. Yes, minus 1,200 odds on favorite to be the number one overall pick. But Zeno, that wasn't always the case, even as recently as about two and a half weeks ago. <laughs> following the college football season, even following the 2022 NFL season, post-Super Bowl 57, Young was the odds-on favorite, a minus 120 number. He did not work out, Zeno, in Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. He was only measured, and some teams looked at his height and were a little scared off. But despite that, Young and C.J. Stroud left Indianapolis with Bryce Young, the odds-on favorite. C.J. Stroud trailing. But then the Carolina Panthers trade with the Chicago Bears for that first overall selection. And almost suddenly, C.J. Stroud, Mark Zeno, flips to the odds-on favorite. A minus 300 number at its height. Bryce Young was plus 300. But now, as we are eight days away from the opening round of the 2023 NFL Draft with the Carolina Panthers firmly on the clock, Bryce Young, a minus 1,200 odds on favorite. Zeno, you mentioned it at the very top of this segment. Is it a lock that Bryce Young will be the number one overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft? 
it's either a lock or a lot of odds makers are going to lose their job when it's all said and done because of the way they're pricing this thing. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. And oh, by the way, I don't want to hear any more knocks on Bryce Young's height. As somebody who is not the first person to know when it rains, I would like to uh, give some uh, little love here to some people who are not the tallest in the room. That said, yeah, I mean, when you follow the money here, Ben, it's telling you everything. And even there were reports this week that Bryce Young stopped taking visits. He doesn't have anything to do anymore. No one's talking to him anymore. It seems like it's a fait accompli that Carolina and Bryce Young will be married once, uh, you know, uh, we get to next Thursday night. And the last time Carolina picked at the top of the NFL draft, it took an SEC quarterback, worked out pretty well for them. So they're hoping it happens again. That would be Cameron Newton. A really good point there as well. So when you look at Bryce Young and his collegiate numbers during his Heisman winning campaign two years ago, he threw for over 4,800 yards, 47 touchdown passes to only seven interceptions. Last year, the numbers not as illustrious, but still he takes care of the football and he puts it in good places to score. 32 touchdown passes to five interceptions. Now, you know, here's the very interesting thing, because C.J. Stroud might be a little bit on the slide. At number one overall, it seems Carolina is dead set on Bryce Young. But what is happening at number two is very interesting. That is the Houston Texans pick at this point. And, you know, for the first time yesterday, it wasn't a quarterback that was favored to go second overall. It was a defensive player, the edge rusher out of Alabama, Bryce Young's former college teammate. Will Anderson Jr., the favorite now to be the second overall pick at 2-1. to one. C.J. Stroud, 50 cents behind at plus 250, alongside Will Levis, both quarterbacks, plus 250 at this moment. So, Zeno, in your estimation, what do you think the Houston Texans do with that second overall selection? Well, I think the question still remains, will the Houston Texans keep the number two overall selection? And really, that's the only question as to whether it is C.J. Stroud. By all accounts right now, it doesn't look like the Texans are primed to take a quarterback at two. At least that's what the rumors are hearing. That's why you're seeing the numbers move in favor of Will Anderson at number two. But could they turn around and call up Indianapolis, their division rival, and see if they want the number two pick? Could somebody else swoop in and look for it that may want it? Could it be Seattle at five? I mean, there's a lot of options on the table, which is why it's really tough to handicap what's going on here. Also, with the fact that Will Levis has moved up to equal odds with C.J. Stroud is very telling as well that odds makers are at least believing that a trade could be a possibility here and that it's not a lock or a fait accompli that C.J. Stroud will go to the Texans at number two overall. So a lot of different moving parts here, Ben, and I'm sure these numbers will continue to fluctuate over the course of the next week. You know, just over a week away from the NFL draft, this odds movement in the shift to make Will Anderson Jr. the favorite, what does it signify more to you? What Houston might do, select a defensive player or be fielding calls to trade that number two pick? I would lean on the fact that they're probably going to go with Will Anderson and select defense. I mean, this was a defense that was flat-out horrible. They need a game-changer on that side of the ball. And by all accounts, that's what Will Anderson is. That's what he's been for a better part of his career. I know last year was a little bit of a down year by his standards considering what he had in 2021. But this is still, by all accounts, a highly regarded prospect that most NFL teams would jump at if they had the opportunity. And and if the Texans decide to hold on to this pick, I believe they'll go defense. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that somebody else wants that number two pick and wants C.J. Stroud and isn't willing to gamble that somebody else is going to get him.
You know, the Texans have so many holes across their roster that they need to fill almost immediately. I think it would be wise for Nick Casario, D'Amico Ryans, everybody in that Texans organization to shop that number two overall pick to fill up on some draft capital and help your roster across the board. But you mentioned a team like Indianapolis. I don't know if you want to give your divisional rival their quarterback of the future, whoever that may be. And Zeno, we showed it right there to start this segment. Not all that long ago, just about two weeks ago, in fact, C.J. Stroud was the odds-on favorite to be the first overall pick, and now he's not even favored to be the second or third by himself or fourth overall pick. Why do you think the quarterback out of Columbus, the Ohio State Buckeyes signal caller the last two years, and C.J. Stroud, Mark Zeno, is starting to slide down draft boards? I don't think it's a reflection on C.J. Stroud. I think it's a reflection on other teams prioritizing other things other than quarterback and want them in the top five. And let's not forget about the whole Jalen Carter situation that's going on here. There's a part of me that wants to take a flyer on him somewhere inside the top five because if you look at his numbers, how much it drops off once we get outside of the top five, there's like no value from a betting standpoint. But in reality, you know, prior to everything coming out, when you put the tape on, there was a massive consensus that Jalen Carter not only was the best defensive player in this draft, but likely might even be the number one overall pick in this draft. So I think when good football people get in the room and they they wipe away all the noise from the outside, they look at that and go, this is still a very good football player. And this is a guy that really could be a game wrecker and a game changer on the defensive side of the ball for us. I think there's a ton of value on taking a flyer in Jalen Carter somewhere in the top five. If it's not number two or number three, definitively number four. Uh, you know, does Indianapolis 100% stay at four? I don't know. Are they willing to go up one spot with Arizona? Maybe. Who knows? I mean, there's a lot of different things in the mix here. And I think Seattle, too, is another linchpin in this first round here. How much do they want to hold what they got at five? How much do they feel like they need to move up to go get somebody else? That, to me, also is another thing. I don't know many other teams, though, outside of the top five that really want to jump into the top five unless somebody is willing to, to, to trade a whole haul of picks and players and value to get there. We could see a ton of chaos and movement if Houston is indeed shopping that number two overall pick. We already know that the Arizona Cardinals, who hold the third overall selection, have heard a ton of inquiries for that third pick in this 2023 NFL draft so it will be very interesting you know to see where cj stroud might fall again i agree with you it's not a reflection on the quarterback that is cj stroud and it shouldn't be because cj stroud has two of the five most efficient passing seasons in the history of the big 10 conference he led all of college football in passer efficiency this past year in 2022 we know that the passing game has been on the rise in the college ranks for the last decade but cj stroud still the fourth most efficient passer in his career in the history of college football i would not let him slide all that far but now we know that cj stroud and will levis mark have the same price to be the second overall pick right now will levis is the favorite to go fourth overall a pick currently indianapolis holds and the colts are the favored team to select will levis let me put it to you like this you know if both cj stroud and will levis are available at that number four overall pick who do you think indianapolis drafts well that will forever be a pick that will either 
you know, haunt that franchise or elevate it back to a Super Bowl caliber type status. It's it's like the worst of all positions for the Colts to be in to have to choose one mm. over the other and then get the wrong guy. Uh, I you know, it just it, it's happened so many times in the NFL draft. Look, I think you can't pass on CJ Stroud if he falls to four. Period. If somehow Jalen Carter and Will Anderson go in the two and three in some combination, and CJ Stroud is sitting there at four, I think everybody in Indianapolis is doing backflips in their war room that CJ Stroud fell to him. And maybe that's the consensus right now for the Indianapolis Colts that they don't have to move out of that fourth pick, that they can get one of the two of those guys to sort of fall to them and still be yeah. in a great position, not having to give away anything. So that's probably where it is. But if C.J. Stroud falls to four and Indianapolis passes on him, man, it feels like it could be something that they are going to rue the day they did so. Mark my words. If any NFL organization out of the 32 that will draft here at some point in the NFL draft, 31 in the opening round, select Will Levis out of Kentucky over C.J. Stroud from Ohio State, you deserve to lose your jobs, and you will in the next two to three years from your NFL organization. It would be a crime and a huge mistake to take Will Levis over C.J. Stroud. Watch both of them play in college football and know that C.J. Stroud is a mile, and many miles, better than Will Levis at playing the quarterback position. Speaking of quarterbacks, Mark Zeno, that's where we finish our NFL draft discussion. In terms of the overall quarterbacks taken in the opening round, 31 draft selections in the first round because Miami forfeited their 2023 first round pick based on the tampering scandal with their owner, Stephen Ross, a couple of years ago. Four and a half, Mark Zeno, is the number for quarterbacks taken in the opening round of the 2023 NFL draft. Are you going over or are you going under? Kind of surprised it's sitting at four and a half, to be perfectly honest for you. I mean, are we 100% sure that Anthony Richardson is 100% going in the first round? I mean, mm. nobody takes first-round projects anymore. And by all accounts, we've deemed Anthony Richardson a project. Now, maybe the one team that everybody's pointing to, Seattle, would be the team that's willing to do it. Could I see some team trading back at the end of the first round if he's still sitting there, a la Lamar Jackson, several years ago? That may be the most plausible scenario, but I just don't see a scenario where a fifth quarterback goes in the first round. If somebody wants to take a flyer on Hendon Hooker, they'll have day two and day three to be able to do that. With the injury status he has, I don't, I don't believe anybody's taking him in the first round. Since the year 2000, we have seen five quarterbacks taken in the first round only twice, 2018 and 2021. Mark Zitto, thank you very much for your time on this Wednesday. We round out our opening hour up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rounding out our opening hour together here live on the morning after on this Wednesday on SportsGrid. Sirius XM Channel 159 all across the SportsGrid network. SportsGrid.com slash watch. Find your favorite destination of the many where you can consume the SportsGrid network and all of our content all across the grid. That includes the SportsGrid app as well. Now available at the Apple App Store. The ultimate sports betting companion app is officially here. You want 
daily picks. You want a data set that will help you make the best bet in your favorite sport for your favorite team. That is what the Sports Grid app has. You can see all of our content. You can follow your favorite shows, your favorite hosts. I hope we're in that for you and your favorite sports and leagues to find your daily picks, your daily plays, all of the content your heart desires. As we round out this opening hour, though, we wanted to hear from you, as we always do, given the big news in the NBA in the overnight hours on this Wednesday morning. Draymond Green suspended by the NBA for game number three of the Warriors series against the Sacramento Kings. Was it the right call? That was the question in Fade the Public. Should Draymond Green have been suspended for Game 3 against the Kings? At SportsGrid TV on Twitter is where we ask that question. Two answers for you. Potentially yes or no. And most of the public saying yes. Draymond should have been suspended for Game Number 3. Nearly 62% of this vote, in fact, saying yes, with about 39% saying no. Now, here's what I will say. DeMontis Sabonis was in the wrong, but so was Draymond Green. Sabonis should not have grabbed his lower leg, but Draymond Green did not lose his balance and accidentally step on him. He stomped on his chest. By the way, Sabonis questionable for Game 3 with a chest sternum contusion is what they are calling it. But the league even said, based on Draymond's track record and his history of unsportsmanlike acts, that's why he was suspended for Game Number 3. Hour 2 of the morning after is up next.